with the weather outside, it's one thing. It's maybe and it's an Eliasson thing. That's my family, but we don't do very well in heat, right? Like you, you don't understand like hangry, right? Like grab a Snickers. Uh, our family has this combination of like hangry and, and like hot angry. That's just this mess. Like I remember one time we were driving up the Coquihalla in a Sunbird, bless the Lord. Uh, it's the only car that we could afford. We're going there and we had to stop because we were on our way to the shoe swap and it overheated probably 35 times going up the Coquihalla. Like everyone's going and we would pull over and have to wait for the heat temperature to go down. Like I thought it was the speedometer. Like that's how much, it was just, and it was in this situation again with four, three boys and my dad, so four. Uh, we're in this situation where we're just, we're arguing, we're fighting, and my mom lost it. And it was at that point that I realized, like, there's so much grace for me that my mom has, but when it's hot, as the temperature goes up, the grace level goes down, right? The situation, we were kind of in this situation. Luckily, we actually just moved into a house an amazing miracle that we were able to be able to do that. I would love to share that story if you want to hear it. Um, but part of this house has a clubhouse with a big pool. And the other day, my nephews, uh, Jude, Jackson, Wes, they're the best, they were over swimming. And Jude was so excited, uh, he had these goggles. He goes, Daniel, these goggles are for jumping in. These goggles are for swimming, seeing under the water. I was like, Jax, or, or Jude, like, you can do, never mind, cool. Yeah, I got two different goggles, two different purposes. But it was one of the masks that, like, go over your nose too, right? Like the snorkel one. And he's just getting new to this. He's in some swimming lessons. He goes, okay, Dan, so you stand right there, and then I'll jump and swim to you. I'm like, okay, sweet. He goes, but don't let me drown. I'm like, that don't kill you. only makes you stronger, bro. And so I'm like, all right, I got you. I got you. You can trust Uncle Daniel. He goes, are you sure? I'm like, I'm not sure, but I think you can. And so... He begins to, he jumps in there on the way. He goes, no, closer, closer. And at this point, he can just jump and touch me. I was like, no, you're going to learn to swim. So I took like seven steps back. And I'm like, now go. He goes, okay. So he puts the goggles on. And so he knew where he wanted to get to. And he jumps in. And it's, have you seen the movie Jaws? Like, you know when it's just thrashing water everywhere, but you're like, is anything really happening? This happened. And so he's kicking and, and swimming, his head's in the water, and he hasn't even jumped in the pool yet, right? But he's just like, he's just going. He, he jumps in, he's kicking at me, and he's swimming, and he's kicking and splashing. And finally, well, at this point, like, it, the splashing's getting less because he's starting to sink. And so, like, a good, you know, uncle, I just grab and pull him forward. And he gets up, and it's okay, he's thought he's done, but all of a sudden there's this panic in his eyes. You see, these goggles cover your nose. <laughs> and it was one of those situations where he get, and just panicked because he was trying to breathe. He was out of the water, but he was trying to breathe through his nose, uh, which was covered. And all of a sudden, he goes, <gasps> I'm like, dude, use your mouth. I think he was choking water at the same time. So he's still alive. Don't worry. Um, this is father in training. <clears throat> but you see, as I sat there, and it was this moment where he came up and his eyes were panicked. I couldn't help but think, like, this is us all the time, isn't it? You know, in this series called Breathe Again, and it's a pretty funny display to watch, but we do it in our relationships with family and our friends, the pressures of finances, careers, expectations from others, expectations we put on ourselves, and trying to do all the right things and avoid doing the wrong things. I really want to follow Jesus. i got to be the best husband or best spouse or best father, mother, employee. And, and then you add your relationship to Jesus on the pile, and it can just seem like just panic. It can just seem heavy. You see, we find ourselves knowing where we want to go and exhorting an incredible amount of energy to get there, to arrive to our destination. But along the way, we begin to realize something might be wrong. Like something isn't working. I, I'm trying to do what's right, but I'm not getting the response or the result that I maybe thought I would. It's not that our goals are necessarily bad or that our efforts are insufficient. All of that is great and good and can be God-honoring. The problem is we just forgot to breathe. See, we're in this summer series. Summer gives us this opportunity to stop in some of our schedules, unless you're in youth ministry, uh, but it's to stop and take a breath. People can take holidays and they can recharge and what it looks like. And our hope during this series is that we would be able to do the same with our relationship with Jesus. Because if you follow Jesus for a week or a decade, you understand that just because you're doing the right things doesn't mean you don't get tired. 
And we need pauses and rest. The life of Jesus that he lived in ministry in the three and a half years that we read in the Gospels, we see that Jesus took moments to rest. He, 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 he came back from work and just stopped and found rest. Our hope is that we would trade sp uh, stale spiritual obligations for the life-altering relationship with Jesus. If your relationship with Jesus this morning feels a little bit maybe like Jude did, where you're doing everything you can, but there's a little bit of panic, a little bit of anxiety, because it just feels like you can't breathe, our hope in this series is that you would be able to breathe again. The Holy Spirit would come and show you the way to live life that's free. You know, Pastor Craig uh, started this series two weeks ago, uh, and he talked about the doldrums, and that's essentially if you're a sailor, um, there's this spot, because sailing you need wind apparently in the sail. I'm not sure who just like designed sailboats. Like you got to constantly like duck a boom, right? Like this is like if you ever want to see natural selection, this is it, right? Like if you can't figure it out, sorry, and you just keep going. But there's this spot where the wind's going, and all of a sudden there's this. It's like this vacuum of no wind, and you can't go anywhere in a sailboat. And he started to talk about so often in our relationship with Jesus, we find ourselves here. Like at one time we were humming along, man, we loved Jesus, we were going, it was great, but we just found ourselves in a place where it just seems, you know, the technical term is meh, right? Like the dictionary definition of doldrums, meh. And that's what life seems. But he said there's a couple different things that can cause us there. You know, sometimes we just drift into doldrums. It just, it's not because we're doing something wrong, it just happened. We find ourselves lifeless or tired. Other times we get pushed into the doldrums by by his trials or other people or this or that, that we were doing great, but something happened, you know, something cut in on you, and all of a sudden you're not what you used to be. Or other times we can lose our ways into the doldrums. It can be our conscious sins, our conscious things of going to different places. And we talked about this idea that Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus knew this would happen to us, right? He says, listen, you need to come to me because what you're doing right now finds you in a place where you're exhausted. You're in the spiritual doldrums. He says, come to me. I'll show you how to take a real rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Pastor Craig tied all of this breathing again starts not with trying harder, but with coming to Jesus because he actually has the antidote for your doldrums. He has the antidote for your anxiety and your stress. And this morning, we're going to take a look at uh, just another thing that we can do that will help you spiritually breathe again. So if you've got your Bibles, we can go to Revelation chapter 2. Uh, verses 2 to 5 is what we're going to read, and it's up on the screen. And this is, Paul, or this is Jesus, uh, and he's talking to the churches in Revelation. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but aren't, and you found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. Like, if you ever want a report card from Jesus, this is probably it, right? Like, listen, like, you're doing all the right things. You're incredible. You're, you're holding the truth. You're loving people. You're Ephesus, you're crushing it. But the, it actually continues. And it says this. It says, yet, I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent. Do the things you did at first. Because if you do not repent, I'm on my way and I'm going to come and remove your lampstand from its place. It's an interesting scripture that, if I'm honest, I haven't always known what to do with. But this morning we're going to discuss a little bit of what Jesus might have been talking about here. And If you're taking notes, the, the title of my sermon today is Stop Working and Start Falling. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Jesus, we ask that in the midst of everything we're doing, the busyness of life, God, for those who are doing all the right things and avoiding all the wrong things, for those who walked in this morning and, and have no idea that there's a God that loves them and they're just tired and they find themselves in need of something beyond themselves. Jesus, for everyone in this room, I pray that this morning would be an opportunity for us to breathe again. God, that you would reveal to us the full life that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. See, a little bit of background, we're going to look into this, a little bit of study um, as to what's happening in this. So again, Jesus, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. At this time, Ephesus was a mega church, right? 
they were probably 50 to 80,000 people large in a very influential city. Like, they were starting to change the city. There was revolts. Like, the political powers are noticing because, like, their economy system is starting to be affected by how incredibly the gospel is transforming lives. Like, people are getting saved. People are getting baptized. Holy Spirit's moving. They're sending out missionaries. They're a place where missionaries come. To, the apostles come to get refreshed. Like, if there was ever a church that was killing it, it was Ephesus, right? Killing it in a good way. Like, they're doing awesome. Uh, but, like, it's a situation where, like, right, like, they're, they're doing everything. If we could choose as Horizon Church to be like any other church, Ephesus would probably be close to top of that list, right? Like, they're doing everything right. But then we read this passage, and I think sometimes we might read it incorrectly, that second bit. I, I think sometimes we're, like, this is Jesus saying, listen, guys, like, appreciate all you're doing for me. Couldn't do it without you. You know, because sometimes we think that Jesus couldn't do it without us as if he needs us, didn't just want us. Maybe it's just me. Uh, but like, listen, you're doing a great job, do a lot of stuff, but hey, I'm worried about you. Like, I think you're just getting tired and I don't want you to get burned out. Like, hey, church, you forgot to do the things you did at first. And I think I always read this like, Ephesus, I have this one, hold this one thing against you. You've forgotten your first love. But it doesn't say you forgot. It says you have forsaken your first love. And as I was reading this, I just felt like Holy Spirit just had this word pop out to me. And as I normally do, if I'm reading my devotions, I'm asking Holy Spirit to talk to me. And I just begin to study, like, what's it about this word? And this word in the actual, the Greek, the root of what it is, we get other English words like to let go of, um, to release a clenched fist, to forgive not just by happenstance, but a decision that's made to allow or to consent to. To consciously release your grip of something, to forgive, let, allow, or consent. You see, Jesus is saying, church, at some time, you made a conscious decision that what you do for me could replace the time that you spend with me. And this is why we see the intense language of you need to repent or I'm going to come and take your, you're doing a lot of good things. But at some point you came to the conclusion that what you used to do at first in our relationship, how you learned to love me, the time you spent with me, you came to the conclusion that that was not as important as the work that you had to do for me. Jesus is saying, listen, I know you're putting in a lot of effort to do all the right things. And you're careful to avoid doing the wrong things. And you do it very well. But you miss the point. Our point this morning is what you do for Jesus can never replace being with Jesus. And I think if you're like me in this place, this resonates with you. Because in North America, we more like ourselves to the Marthas than the Marys, don't we? Like there's so much to do. And in the Western culture, it's just you got to hustle hard. If you're not hustling hard, someone's hustling harder. And we just got to do, 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 do. Now hear me. It's important for us to do the spiritual disciplines. It's important for us to do that. The Bible says faith without works is dead. But I think more often than not, we have the works, but we don't have the relationship with Jesus that the church of Ephesus missed. That's what I want to talk about this morning. You see, this can seem a little bit intense if you're reading it. When I read it, I was like, Jesus, you're like, so you're saying like they're church planning, people are getting saved, cities being changed, governments being affected, everything's going great. But because they didn't do what they did at first, you're actually going to come and remove their influence? Like, you're going to take them out. Like, this is a promise that Jesus is saying. Like, why is this so important to you? And I think Jesus actually talked about this a lot. And we're going to look at a passage that illustrates this in Matthew 25. We're going to read it here, and our little lanterns here are going to help us illustrate. Again, for those who have a 12-year-old humor, it does say virgin in here. We're just going to run with it. Here we go. See, at the time... People are coming to Jesus and saying, God, what is the kingdom? Of, what's it going to look like? And, and it, you got to understand, in culture in the Bible, they said, what's the kingdom of God like? This was the end goal. The Jewish culture, they held the law and the religion because if they did that, one day they'd get to the kingdom of heaven. So essentially saying, God, what's it all about? Like, what's most important? How am I going to get to where I need to go? He says, at the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. 
Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. You know, it's important to look at here that it, it's not so much about the numbers. You know, some people are like, oh, ten's the number of the law and five's the number of the grace. Jesus is telling us a parable here. This wasn't a story that actually happened. And anytime Jesus isn't recounting actual events, he's sitting there going, okay, how do I explain this to you? I'm going to make up a, here, I'm going to make up a story, a tale, that will help illustrate a biblical truth to you. And so I don't think it's much, as much about the numbers as it is Jesus saying, every one of us can fall into one of two camps. There was five foolish, and there was five wise. See, the foolish ones took their lamps, but they did not take oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And the bridegroom was a long time coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. This, this parable sometimes has been pre preached like, listen, you got to stay awake. Don't fall asleep. That's actually not what it's talking about. All ten of them fell asleep. Sometimes we think we got to just keep working, just keep working. No, no, no. There's rest for a reason. There's Sabbath for a reason. Pastor Craig's going to talk about that in the next two weeks. He's not saying, listen, you got to keep working. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom. Come to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet. and The door was shut. Later, the others also came and said, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. And again, this isn't necessarily about keeping watch. It, it can be taught that way. But again, all of them fell asleep. So what exactly is Jesus talking about here? We see in the story, Jesus gives us two groups of people, right? He says, hey, listen, there's... The wise, or there's the foolish. And the foolish, they, they knew there was something happening, so they got their lantern. And they came to wait for the bridegroom. Pray for me. These things get hot. I know I'm going to burn myself. But then there was the wise. Both of them had lanterns. And they were waiting for the bridegroom. And they were ready. But the difference between there's those with lanterns, just the lantern, and just so you know, I tried to time this for like just have barely enough gas so it would go out and a great sermon illustration. I'm not that smart. Couldn't figure it out. So you got, imagine this is just the lantern with no extra oil. This one actually is a full container. So not just a lantern to do what it's supposed to do, but the fuel to sustain over time the work that needs to happen. So Jesus said, what I want to look at today is that the, the foolish people represent our works, Right? Like the lantern itself is all the things that you do for Jesus. You got your Bible reading, you go to church, and you worship well, and you do all of this. And, and then the oil that they're talking about, or the fuel, is the unseen presence, the unseen fuel that allows what we do to be effective. And Jesus begins to draw this comparison. So we're going to look at this. And we're going to take a look at three things that I believe Jesus is trying to tell us through this parable. And number one is that all of them started with oil, but not all finished with oil. Daniel, what are you talking about? When it comes to our relationship with Jesus, like why you come to church, some of us that have followed Jesus for multiple decades, the reason you serve, the reason you get up on a Sunday and come here is because there was a time where you encountered the love of Jesus in such a radical way that you gave your life to him. And in that moment, you were full of the presence and the love of God. Jesus saying, listen, and it's interesting, all of these people, the only reason they were waiting is because they had relationship with the bride and the groom. That's the only reason they would have been invited. All of them started with a relationship, but not all of them had what it took to finish. So what, is, well, what could be talking about this? You see, the works we're doing or not doing are the result of the oil that we started with. You're here today. Maybe if you followed Jesus for a week or for decades, there was a time where you encountered 
the love of God. It wasn't about what you could do for him. Like it was those moments when you were in worship and you were just so overwhelmed with the love of God. Or you were in your car and you were at your wit's end, but you felt the love of God come in. And it was like anything, unlike anything you've ever experienced before. And it caused you to say, Jesus, you're real. I'm going to serve you. God, I need you. Both of these people started with oil in their journey. See, but the temptation is to consider the things that we did as first as immature and move on to more mature matters. Paul's saying, listen, Ephesus, you guys started well, but at some point you forsook the oil that's necessary for your lantern to shine. And if you don't go back and start doing the things you used to, we're going to have some problems. You see, what we do for Jesus can never replace being with Jesus. You see, the, uh, the foolish ones, they took their lamps but didn't take anything with it. They started with full oil, but they didn't take it. And the story goes on that they waited. And it got late, and they got tired, and they took a rest. Again, rest is not the enemy. Rest, make sure you make it to the end. But it says their lanterns went out. There was a time where they needed to be recharged. We see that Jesus did this all the time healing and serving and this and that. And the boys are so excited about what's going on. Jesus is great. He goes, let's just, let's, let's regroup for a bit. Let's just find some rest for your soul. At Matthew eleven twenty eight, the pastor Craig talked about next week, you need to recharge. And rest is necessary and needed. So we see that all of us start. So if you're in this room today and you find yourself tired, I want to maybe remind you of the love that you had at once. Like what was it? that caused you to find yourself in this room. Because I think if we're not careful, we can come to the conclusion that when I was young and full of life, I had passion, but now I've moved on to more mature things. Like when I was a teenager, I would jump and raise my hands, but now it's the quiet reverence of the Lord. We can come to the conclusion that the things we used to do that fueled our love for Jesus is no longer necessary. We forsake it. We walk away from the things we used to do, thinking that it's called maturity. Unfortunately, you can't really read the book of Psalms without seeing that if you love Jesus, it shows in your face, in your voice, in your body, in your language, that worship that is just contemplative has no place in the book of Psalms. And sometimes I'm a little bit confused how it finds itself in our churches today. How we can have any worship that looks so different than the book of Psalms, but still think it can glorify our Father. You've forsaken the love that you had at once. And number two, I think what it tells us is that no one can give you their oil. Right? Like it goes on, it goes out, like, hey, bridegroom's here, they're getting up, they're trimming their wings, their, their, their wings, <laughs> their, their lanterns, the wicks, that's the one. They're trimming their wicks and and the foolish people are like, okay, I got to go. Like, ah, ah, like, ah, oh, I don't have any more oil. I didn't think it would take this long. Like, I had oil. Like, I had a love, with, but, but I've just been doing so much. Like, I've been serving, and I even went through grow track, and now I'm, I'm set up, and I, saw, I found my people, and I did a small group, and we're doing family devotions, and I'm even doing devotions. Like, I'm doing all of the right things. Like, I'm doing everything I can, but, ah, ah, and, it says five, didn't it? And they turn to the other people, the five wise ones, and they say this. It says, at midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the, uh, the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. But you see, the problem is you can't give anyone your love for Jesus. And the wise ones said, sorry. Like, I know you're doing all the right things. But I only got enough for me. I can't, I can't give you my oil. You see, the response was to ask to borrow someone else's oil. They, and you see, the wise, it wasn't that they didn't love the, the groom. They had a relationship with him. But at some point, they came to the conclusion they didn't see, they didn't value the relationship enough to put in the work to bring more oil. Family, can I tell you, it's a whole lot easier to stay busy than it is to stop. 
and remember your oil. Like the temptation would be, listen, I'll just do all the right things, and if I just get to church, maybe I can just get someone else's worship. Maybe I can just glean off of the oil of Pastor Craig when he's preaching. Can I tell you, you might be able to see the effects of my oil, but I can't give you my oil. You might see the light of people worshiping passionately around you, but they can't put that passion in you. Your spirit is your responsibility. No one can give you their oil. Like how often do we see this, that you're doing everything you can, you're working, and please hear me, this is not a message of do more things. It's a message of stop and think, consider, and start doing the right things again. Because we can serve, we can get involved, we can do with the adopt a school, we're helping at kids camp, we're helping at youth camp. August 14th, 18th. We're doing all of these things and, and I'm giving to scholarships, I'm doing this and we can then, what happens is we get frustrated with people, right? And we get to the point, like just give me some of your oil. Just get to that point, we can get so frustrated. We're so focused on making sure our lantern is in oil, in order, and we get exhausted from putting in the work into our lantern and we find ourselves empty. What do we do? We make it someone else's problem. Oh, my wife, she's just this. My wife's perfect. But like, you know, someone else probably say this. But like this idea of just, oh, my, oh, my husband, if he would just. Because we're frustrated. And there's something not right on our inside. Our souls are empty. We start looking to other people to fill the place that only you and Jesus can fill. I, uh, they, they don't preach. There, uh, there's not enough time of worship on a Sunday. If the only time you worship is on a Sunday, you need to go figure out how to get some new oil. Like if the only, oh, the, the preaching, it just wasn't meaty enough for me. No one can give you their oil. But I'm doing all the right things. I just, it's someone else's problem. The church, it, it wasn't small enough for me. It wasn't big enough for me. That small group wasn't friendly enough for me. They didn't meet my needs. And this is human nature, isn't it? We get so busy and then we get angry at other people to fill our needs because they aren't. But the story illustrates that no one can give you their oil. So your relationship with Jesus doesn't just happen. It takes time, it takes intention, and it takes investment to keep your love ablaze with Jesus. Family, no one can worship for you. Again, you can stand in this room on a Sunday and you can get the light of other people's lanterns. You can gain and you can, you can even maybe just, oh, that was great worship. Wow, there's a presence of God in this room. And it was just so good to receive from that. You can receive the benefits of someone else's oil. But please don't mistake that for you having oil. Only you can worship for you. Only you can pray and listen to God. It's great to have other people pray for you, but do you know what it's like to sit and wait and listen to the voice of your creator speak life back into your soul? Like no one can pray for you. Family, no one can read your Bible for you. We can do our best to exegete the word of God with reverence and with skill to the best of our ability, but no one can open your Bible and start claiming the promises of God over your life. You may be able to receive from my oil on a Sunday, but you need to find your oil on a Wednesday because you're walking into situations that you need the promise of God. Ephesians, you're doing a lot of things. You've forsaken the thing that matters. No one can give you their oil. And the last thing that we see in this scripture is, man, Jesus takes this pretty seriously. So we should as well. I think if I'm honest, um, my natural inclination in a message like this would be like, no, that's great. That's why I'm doing everything I'm doing. Husbands out there, this is a little free note for you. If you ignore your wife for 10 years because you're super busy providing things for her, but you never stop and look at her and talk to her or him, and then all of a sudden after a decade of work with no relationship, you're like, oh, babe, it's date night. Let's go. Like you're lucky if she shows up, one. <laughs> Two, that ain't going to be some light conversation. Right? 
Your relationship with Jesus takes work and effort. But we got to remember we can't confuse what we do for Jesus and think it could ever replace what it's like to be with Jesus. Like, remember when you fell in love with the Word of God and you couldn't wait to find time just to read it because it was life to your soul? Like, remember when you couldn't wait to worship and you couldn't wait to get up in the morning to spend time with God and you couldn't wait to do things, not because there were obligations on a to-do list, because it was a moment where you got to be with your Jesus. Your life was changed. Remember the times when you've done all the right things, but you forgot the most important thing and it just felt dry? There's nothing worse than putting out an incredible amount of effort but being ineffective. Like there's nothing worse than doing, putting all your efforts doing the right things and avoiding all of the wrong things and still feeling empty. Could I maybe suggest to you that maybe that's why some people don't like the church? It's because the church is meant to light up the room, but we're doing a lot of activity, but we don't have any light. Could it be maybe that our relationship with Jesus has grown stale? And when people come to you and they need Jesus, all they see is your works. But they can't tell that there's any relationship. There's no oil. Jesus takes this pretty seriously. I'm going to turn this off for a bit because it's getting hot up here with those things. See, Jesus' response to them is this. Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. You know, other times in the Bible it says there'll be people that come to Jesus. Jesus tells us, listen, Jesus, we cast out demons in your name. We baptized people. We did all of the right things. It was incredible. And he said, depart from me. I didn't know you. That word know is gnosko, means through experience. The same way a man or Adam knew Eve when they came together. This is the word. You say, listen, you're doing a lot of things for me, but you don't have any oil. Ephesus, you're doing a lot of work and putting it into building the kingdom and your lanterns. The only problem is you don't have any oil. And why is it so important to Jesus to say, Ephesus, at one point you understood that my relationship with me gained my favor, but now you've made your works an idol because you think your works gain my favor and not my grace and my relationship with you. And Jesus will tear down any idol we have in our lives, even if that's serving. Even if that's uh, obligatory devotions in the morning where you're like, oh, I got to do this. Even if it's doing all of the right things and avoid, it's just living a moral life. Jesus is saying, listen, if you think that gets you to me, you're wrong and it's an idol. Jesus takes this very seriously. And I know if you're like me, you sat in these seats before and you've fallen prey to this mistake as I have so many times. That we're so busy doing things for Jesus, we just forget to love him again. And you wonder why you're like, oh, I used to like that church. I'm just not so passionate about it more. I used to love serving, but now I just I can't find time. I can't do this. Like, I, I, we walk through this with our youth leaders a lot. And this is a great example is, you know, I talked to one of our young guys, and he needed a job, so we're praying for a job. We're praying for a job, and he finally got it. He was worshiping the night. He was so excited, so thankful for that. Six months later, you know what he's complaining about? The thing God gave him that he prayed about. Well, this job, listen, I said, stop for a second. You remember when you, remember when you were praying for this and God gave it to you? Like, do you remember when you were so honored that you got to serve Jesus and his kingdom? Like, it didn't matter that you didn't get acclimated. You were just so happy that you got to be with Jesus and you do whatever he'd say. Like, oh, man, Groch, yeah, I'll do no problem. I would love to go. Oh, I'd love to do it. I was just, it was just such an honor to serve God. What happened to your oil? Jesus is saying, listen, church, you need to get this. Because if we don't, this is the promise of Jesus for us. The bridegroom is coming. And if we miss this, we'll do a lot of great things for Jesus but we'll miss getting to know Jesus and the doors of the wedding feast will be closed. Our lanterns, although they may be well constructed with our works, will be taken from us because they are no longer useful because they lack the oil necessary to be effective in the kingdom of God.
We don't really know what to do with these types of verses, do we? Oh, grace, just love Jesus. You'll get in. You'll do whatever you want. He'll forgive you. It's great. Yes, the grace of Jesus is real. But Jesus is also very specific, saying, listen, if you ever think you can earn my love versus receive my love, I have an issue with that. Because in that, you say that my sacrifice on the cross wasn't needed for you. That you somehow could do it on your own. Ephesus, you've forsaken the love you had at once. So what do we do about it? My hope is not sit here and be like, oh, great, we've all messed up. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Super encouraging. Thanks for helping me breathe again. <laughs> like, right? And I fought with this. I was like, God, why are you giving me this message? This is not encouraging. Like, I'm pretty depressed right now. <laughs> like, come on. So I went and ate some ice cream, you know. <laughs> That's not the oil that God's talking about. Dairy, not that. That didn't make sense. Anyways, um, I'm going to say, God, what is it? So what do we need to do about this? You see, Revelations actually gives us some directions here. Jesus says, you follow this, but he says this, consider. Consider what you used to do. You see, before we start doing things we did at first, if we're not careful, we'll just add more to our to-do list. Like this message today about breathing again is not, I'm so exhausted, I need to add more to my list. It's maybe to evaluate your current list. What are you doing? Thinking you're earning the favor of God. Oh, Daniel, I'm way too busy to serve the church. Really? Because I think that's something we're actually held accountable to. So why don't we start considering what we're doing first and maybe rearrange our lives so that we make sure we get the first things first and allow God and trust Him that He's going to take care of everything else second. See, what are the lanterns you've been building in your life? You see, what, you, what have you been doing hoping it will fill the place in your heart that only Jesus can fill by being with him? Here's maybe a litmus test. If you want to just close your eyes. I'm just going to, this going to be some heart. It's not about anyone else. It's just about you and evaluating your heart. If someone were to come to you and ask you to describe what it means to be a Christian, does your answer consist of what you have to do or who you get to be with? You're a Christian, what does that mean? Well, I go to church on Sundays and I don't cuss, I don't drink, I don't chew or run with girls that do. You know, that's what we used to say on the island. I, I do this or I don't, I do. Is, is your explanation of your relationship with Jesus a task list? Or is it, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Man, it means I get to have a relationship with my maker. It's unbelievable that he loves me and Man, I just get to spend time with him, and, and some of the ways I do it are this, but what it means to be with a Christian is that you're no longer alone. You get to be with Jesus. If someone were to ask you what it means to follow Jesus, do you give them a list of how to build a lantern, or do you know how to lead them to the oil? If someone asked you what you need to do as a Christian, are your responses primarily about what you do for Jesus rather than what you get to do with Jesus? So he's saying, guys, stop and take some time to consider. And I want to give a minute to allow Holy Spirit maybe to point out some things in your life that are lacking a bit of oil. Holy Spirit, would you show us the lanterns in our lives that aren't necessarily bad, but they're just ineffective because we've neglected to get some oil. We've neglected to build our love relationship with you. be a scary question. Second thing Jesus says to the church, and we don't like this, repent. Repent. Listen. At some point, you made a conscious decision. You forsook my love. Forsaking is the conscious decision to walk away, and repentance is the conscious decision to walk back. Saying, listen, go back. We can put that up there that repentant or forsaking was a clear choice to walk away. And repentance 
is the clear choice to walk back. Repentance isn't saying, oh, I've got to try harder. No, it's saying, God, I'm sorry that I missed your heart. Would you help me walk back? Some of us might have been decades where you realize you've been doing a lot of things for Jesus, but your lamp is a little bit dimmer than it used to be. You, you thought it was just immature to worship. You thought it was immature to do the things you used to do. You have made the decision that it was no longer necessary and you've walked away from it, but repentance is saying, God, would you forgive me? I'm walking back to that place where you made my soul come alive. God, help me fall back in love with you. Would you romance me again? God, show me your goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And Jesus is saying, there's still time. I'm coming, but there's still time. And thirdly, says we need to do again. There's things we need to start doing again. In a minute, I'm going to put up a list, but I want this to be incredibly practical. The, the list that's about to come up, not yet, I want you to pick one, and just maybe as, you're, as we read it, ask Holy Spirit which one's for you. And I want you to commit to doing again the things you did at first on one of these lists. Make sense? That's it, everybody. Jesus says, do again. Some of you, it might be time. There was a time where you had focused, intentional, and probably the hardest one of our day today is uninterrupted time with Jesus. When's the last time you took Jesus on a date? You shut your phone off. You did the work to prepare the oil for the relationship. You weren't just worried about the things that you did, but you understood if you were going to get to where God wanted you to, you needed to put in the work to bring more oil. When's the time you rearranged your schedule to have time with Jesus? Pastor, this is a Sabbath is something that wasn't just for the Old Testament. It's a promise and a command of God that Pastor Craig is going to talk about in two weeks. Number two is, what, what were the things you did at first? I can't tell you what made you fall in love with Jesus, but you can. And it's time to start doing those things again. Family, it's time to start worshiping like there's some oil in your lantern. Because can I tell you, I can't see your oil, but I can see the effects of your oil. And if you're so busy, but you lack the grace of God, it might be because you need to go back and start doing the things you did at first. Maybe it's the Word. No one can read your Bible for you. The life of God, the living Word. If you're lacking it, spend time with it. What's Jesus like? What does His voice sound like? It sounds a whole lot like His Word. His word is his will, and his will is his word. Like, what does it look like to be hungry for the word of God again? To get excited, not just to read about Jesus, but to encounter him. We don't just read the Gospels as a historical event. I open the Bible and say, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me. Would you convict me, God? Show me where I'm not living the way. God, I want to know you. I want to know your promises. They're not just your promises for Abraham. They're your promises for me. They're not just for Joseph. They're for me. Revival wasn't just something that happened in history. God, you want revival to start in my heart. God, would you reveal yourself to me? I'm desperate for you. Like the things we did at first, where it didn't matter who was around because you were in love with God. God, who spoke the stars into existence and nothing else mattered. Prayer. You know, my father-in-law tells me that, Daniel, you have two ears and one mouth. Use the ratio, right? Prayer is not just your wish list for God. It's listening to the very breath of God that gave you life so that it can give you life. Again, worship. You know, we talk a lot about a sacrifice of praise. You know what it would look like in this room? Where you sacrifice apathy to worship with your body and your mouth. 
where you sacrifice the fear of what people might think about you if you look silly lifting your hands or they might laugh at how your voice sounds. Where you sacrifice, and this is for youth in our culture a lot, if you're in university, when you sacrifice your laziness that we all have, that's not just a millennial thing, that's an all of us thing. Say, God, my body's tired, but my spirit's hungry, so I'm going to worship you. Taking time to stop and remember, the Bible talks a lot about enter his courts with what? Works? No. Thanksgiving. To stop and remember why you fell in love with Jesus at first. I do this with Katie a lot. I just sit there and I think about what made me fall in love with her. I just relive it. I relive our first date how elaborate it was, that I'm super convicted that I haven't done that in a couple of years, but it's like, you know, what's the fishes in the boat, you know? Just teasing. Just teasing. Remember what, what God's done for you. If you're sitting there in the midst of a hard time, remember the last time God was faithful. This is a discipline that fills our oil. This will help you breathe again and receive. God's promise is that he'll bring life to your soul. Come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Ephesus, I appreciate what you're doing. But you need to go back to remember that all you needed was me. Because what we do for Jesus can never replace being with Jesus. If we can bring the lights down. Why is this important? Because the bridegroom is coming. Why is this important? Because if we don't get it right, Jesus says we'll take the lampstand. Why is it important for us? We can get the lights all the way down be great. Why is this important? Because there's families in your cul-de-sac. There's members of your own family. There's people in your university, in your high school. There's people at your job that are lost in darkness. And you know what's not going to bring them direction? your lantern. Hey, look at all the good stuff that I do. Is there any way we can get the rest of the lights cut as well? Look at all of the, like, I'm doing this, we're serving, and it's great. And, and hear me. The Bible says, let your good works, your lanterns, shine before men that they might see them and glorify God. But the difference between the church and humanitarians is not their works. It's that there's something beyond them. Yes, they love. Yes, they do this. But why is it important that you don't forget the love you had at first? Because there's a city around us that doesn't just need to see your lantern. They need to see the result of Jesus. For far too long, the church has misrepresented Jesus because they do his works, but they've missed his heart. And we can never replace and think that the things we do for Jesus could ever replace the power of being with Jesus. Family, your works are necessary, but they're ineffective without any oil. We can get the lights back on. So this morning I want to ask, I want to pray for two people. One, maybe you're here this morning and you're hearing about a God that actually doesn't just want things from you. He just wants you. You can bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're honest, you've put a lot of effort into your lantern, right? Like you're trying to build the best life possible. You got your education. Maybe you're married or you're working on getting to that point. You got your house and, and you put a, an incredible amount of effort into building your lantern. But if you're honest with yourself this morning, you're putting in a lot of effort. You know where you want to get, but you're popping your head up and you can't breathe. You've realized something's missing. Can I tell you 
that you were created to function best when you're in connection with Jesus. The Bible says that you were made for relationship with God and sin came and separated us from our source, separated us from the oil that was designed to help us function best. And that's why Jesus died on the cross to reconcile relationship between God and man and available to you and available to me. The words of scripture said that Jesus died, that all might have an opportunity to come to me, that there's an opportunity in front of you Say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. Would you come into my life? And would you forgive me? And would you fill me with your love? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Daniel, I'm putting a lot of work and effort into my life, but I, I think I'm missing the most important part. I, I need to start a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, can you just put your hand up? No one else look around. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Yeah. Just give a moment. Yeah. Jesus, I need your love to come and make me alive. Like, I don't need to go back to what I did at first. I need a first. Like, I need you to show me your love. It's not just about being a moral person. It's about a relationship with the living God that can make you come alive. So here's what we're going to do. For those two hands that went up, can we just pray all together? And just repeat after me, say, Jesus, come on, all of us together, Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I repent of my sin that caused you to die in my place. Jesus, I receive your love for me. Thank you for forgiving my sins and filling me with your love right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, can we give them a hand clap of praise for the two people? Come on. And lastly, I'd just like to pray for all of us. Family, there was something that Holy Spirit pointed out in your heart, what you need to rearrange and something that you need to do again. I'm just going to pray for the boldness to actually live that out. It's like we said, there's a city that doesn't just need to see our works. They need to receive the results of our oil. Family, it's time that we stopped working and started falling in love with Jesus again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, you're so gracious with us. You remind us of the things that are important. So God, I just ask by your Holy Spirit, would you come and pour fresh oil and fresh love, fresh relationship into our hearts again. God, that we wouldn't just try and do things for you, thinking it could ever replace being with you. And as we go out this week, God, I pray you would hold us accountable to the things we need to start doing, the things we need to do again, the things we did at first. In Jesus' name, amen.